Hello, and thank you so much for joining us today. My name is Minister John Richard, and this podcast is an account of this week's Bible study. I pray that it blesses and strengthens you in Jesus' name. If you are looking for more of the Word or are searching for the notes that were used in this week's lesson, please feel free to check the links in the description. Enjoy the Bible study and be blessed. Amen and amen again. That, mm. I want to really take an opportunity here and just thank God so much, uh, mainly for this wonderful thing we have called prayer, which is our direct communication between us and him. No middleman, just us and God. And I really love him so much for that, that, that special gift that he's given us. So last week, we talked about growing pains. We talked about how in a lot of cases, it, it really hurts to grow, especially when we have to confront our comfortable behavior. Well, that led me to think about a few things. And honestly, probably one of the biggest issues any of us as, as a species of humans face. And that's, that's being alone. Not you having your alone time to process your thoughts. You taking a moment to you know, really just get away from everything and to, to defuse and to reset. But no, being alone, to abandoned, desolate, just not having anyone, you know, and it, it really, it really is a terrible feeling. But here's the thing. And if you've been with us for a while, or if this is your first time, understand that being a minister of God is being a, a myth buster. And we take all the things that this world would like you to believe and we diffuse it because it, that just isn't it. So our lesson for tonight is called illusory solitude, meaning that the the feeling of aloneness that you you may go through or a lot of the the solitude that this world would like to pass off on you is really an illusion and Whenever you see this, it'll most likely be on the podcast or YouTube. I want you to pay very close attention to the thumbnail or the artwork for, for this lesson in particular, because it's a pair of glasses and inside the glasses, there's this beautiful lush land. But on the outside of the glasses, it's a barren and desolate wasteland. It's devoid of any life. And that's the thing. So we start off by, you know, defining what solitude is or solitary in, in this instance. And we know that it, it it's one of two things. It's either being alone and that's not necessarily a bad thing because that gives you time to process things. On the other side, it also means that you you lack, you have nothing, you you're missing some stuff. But because we work with the Lord, Let's take a look at our, our definition for today, and it is called Eremos, and I will put that on screen for you guys. So, Eremos means it's solitary or desolate. We look down, and the definition for it is properly an uncultivated, unpopulated place, a desolate, deserted area. Uh, figuratively, it is a barren, solitary place that also provides needed quiet, freedom from disturbance. That's the kicker here. So we look further and it says that in scripture, a desert 
or Aramis, our word, is ironically also where God richly grants his presence and provision for those seeking him. The limitless Lord shows himself strong in the limiting or difficult scenes of life. Now, here is where we begin to start defusing or debunking the myth here. Aloneness in Christ doesn't mean that you're alone. Aloneness in Christ means is that you're never truly alone. It means that now God has separated you from the crowdedness or the true aloneness of life. What Satan tries to sell us on is that following God is it's work. It's hard. It's difficult. It requires too much of you. So why not just do what you want to do and enjoy your life, quote unquote, live your best life? Well, here's the line that we've diffused it several times over. It's that how can we live our quote unquote best life if we don't know what life is supposed to be about? How can we love one another if we don't know what real love is? Why are we the ones being forced to to come up with the means to an end and to try to think out of every single situation when there's already one who truly loves us and knows the plans that he has for us? And the best part about his plans is, is that once we're in the loop, once we know, all we have to do is trust him because we know the end goal. We may not know how we're going to get to the end goal, but we do know as long as we continue to trust and have faith in the one who already knows what the end is, then we'll be just fine on the path getting there. It's just like in movies. You may have already read ahead and know how it ends but you may not necessarily know how they got to that end. Well, the beautiful thing about being with Jesus is that we know the end because he's already won and he will never lose ever, period. And with that being said, we will go ahead and hop into the scriptures because as we really dive into this, there are five points that I want to go over with you guys. So starting off, we have point number one, glory and faith. Which simply means that as long as we keep our faith in the Lord, as long as we keep trusting him, I know it's it's a little harder said than done sometimes because life gets tough. It beats us up. It gets us down. We get depressed. We get angry, sad, all of the above. But as long as our faith remains in our Lord, as long as our faith remains and the one that rose on the third day, as long as our faith remains in in Jesus, well, then guess what? He gives us the glory because it's his to give and his to share. And the glory that God gives us is one that brings joy, peace, prosperity, everything that we need. So we start off in Psalms 27, verses 7 through 10, and Psalms 68, 4 through 8. And I will put that on screen. The Bible says, Hear, O Lord, when I cry aloud, be gracious and compassionate to me and answer me. When you said, Seek my face, my heart said to you, Your face, Lord, I will seek. Do not hide your face from me. Do not turn your servant away in anger. You have been my help. Do not leave me nor forsake me, O God of my salvation. Even if my father and mother abandoned me, The Lord will hold me close. Then in Psalm 68, the Bible says, sing to God, sing praises to his name. Extol him who rides on the clouds. 
by his name, Yah, and rejoice before him. A father of the fatherless, a defender of widows, is God in his holy habitation. God sets the solitary in families. He leads the prisoners into prosperity. Only the stubborn and rebellious dwell in a parched land. O oh God, when you went out before your people, when you marched through the wilderness, Salah, the earth trembled. The heavens also poured down rain at the presence of God. Sinai itself trembled at the presence of God, the God of Israel. So we start here with some wonderful news from the book of Psalms. We see that when we pray to God, when we cry out to him, not only is he compassionate and gracious, he listens to us. When we're going through things, God is listening. God is watching. God is right there. He promised to never leave us nor forsake us, to never abandon us, to not leave us like orphans who have no home to call. And as we go through the scripture, it says that God himself is a father to the fatherless, meaning that if you don't have a home, he will give you a home happily. He doesn't ask for anything in return except that you trust his love, that if you've had someone in your life that God gave you and you lost them, well, guess what? Not only was he there with you while you had that person, but he's still there. He won't leave you. So he's there making sure that you're not just OK, but that you're good, that you're wonderful, that in times of trouble, no matter what's going on, he has your back. And my favorite part, verse eight, it says that God sets the solitary in families, that he leads the prisoners into prosperity. So what does that mean for us? Well, going back to the picture of the glasses that reflect one thing when you look through them, but when you take them off, you see what's actually going on. The Lord's whole purpose and our relationship with him and us is to show us what's really up that this world and all its wonderful lies are simply that, lies, deception. They want you to think that you're okay. But I'll tell you the truth. There have been plenty of times in my life where I felt alone in a room full of people, that I felt like I was locked up in, in solitude while I was amongst family and friends. Why? Because that connection wasn't there yet between me and my father the only one who can fill the void the only one who can actually give you purpose and make that feeling of emptiness and sorrow just disappear because he's the one that we're missing he's what's lacking he's the reason why the desolate wasteland doesn't have any life because he is the life so when you take him out of the equation there's no hope but and if you've been listening, and if you haven't, let me tell you, with Jesus, this illusion that Satan is trying to, to sell to us as if we're fine by ourselves, the Lord wants you to know that it's okay to admit that you have a problem. It's okay to realize that you need help because he did not design us to be without him. He designed us to call upon his name to empower one another. 
not by our means, but by his means. And that's through love. It's through the connection that only the creator and the creation can have with one another. It's that that we miss. It's the connection. It's the relationship. It's the bond. So let me tell you today with our first point being glory and faith, that when you have faith in God, that regardless of what you're going through, if you just keep trusting in him, and I know it's a lot of naysayers out there, well, what did God ever do for me? Well, you're still alive. When there were people on your job against you, you still have a job. When COVID really just came out of nowhere and and blindsided us, a lot of people were still good. And even the ones that weren't, a lot of them got the help that they needed. For anyone, and I mean anyone who calls on that name, Jesus, you're perfectly fine. You may have some bills due, overdue. You may need a little more money. You may be a little stressed out because of the current work conditions. You may have your existing problems and issues trying to bum rush you. But through it all, God has never abandoned you. So the illusion that you are in solitude just because you can't go outside safely, the illusion that you're a, a trapped bird in the cage because of a, of, a, of a virus that's been trying to take us out, that's not true. See, what God does in any situation is grow you, temper you in the fire so that we can be better than gold, as the Bible says, so that our faith can be more purified and more valuable than the richest minerals this earth has to offer. Because when we have solid faith, we're real earthen treasures, something that God can look at and be proud of. So let me tell you again, and we'll move on to our second point, that faith in God brings a whole lot of glory because when you glorify the Father, he can't help but bless you. It's his prerogative to see you do better. It is his mission as a father, as a wonderful parent, as a savior, and as a king to make sure that his constituents have all that they need and then some. Point two. God stands forever. I'll say that again. God stands forever. He's not some idol in in a shop that can break. He's not some statue that you need to polish and dust off. He's not the ancestors, quote unquote. God is God, the eternal living God, the only one true wise God, because there is no other God. He said it himself and As someone who's been around the block, I can confirm that Jesus is the only one. So by him standing forever, that means that we always have someone at our side. Friends may come and go. Family members will come and go. They may betray you. At some point, we as humans, we we all have to die one day. But God, no matter how long we walk this earth, if you have him, He will never leave you, never forsake you. So we look at 1 Samuel 12, verses 16 through 22, and Matthew 28, verses 18 through 20. And as I was reading this, I saw a lot of wonderful things, and we're going to talk about it. So let me put that on screen for you. So we take a look at 1 Samuel, and the Bible says, Now we stand here. 
and see the great thing and see the great thing the Lord is about to do. You know that it does not rain at this time of the year during the wheat harvest. I will ask the Lord to send thunder and rain today. Then you will realize how wicked you have been in asking the Lord for a king. So Samuel called to the Lord and the Lord sent thunder and rain that day. And all the people were terrified of the Lord and Samuel. Pray to the Lord your God for us or we will die. They all said to Samuel, for now we have added to our sins by asking for a king. Don't be afraid, Samuel reassured them. You have certainly done wrong, but make sure now that you worship the Lord with all your heart and don't turn back on him. Don't go back to worshiping worthless idols that cannot help. Let me stress that they cannot help or rescue you. They are totally useless. The Lord will not abandon his people because that would dishonor his great name. For it has pleased the Lord to make you his very own people. And Matthew 28, and Jesus came and spake unto them, saying, All power is given unto me in heaven and in earth. Go, therefore, and make disciples of all the nations, baptizing them in the unilateral name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit, teaching them to observe all things that I have commanded you. And lo, I am with you always, even to the end of the age. Amen. So you may be wondering, because First Samuel 12 kind of starts off a little rocky. Well, let me reassure you here like Jesus just did. It's that everything that we do in life, if we belong to the Lord, he wants to show us where we messed up, not to hold it against us, but so that we can learn and grow from the experience in him. When we go through life and we mess up, because we will, we're, we're human. We, we can't get it right. It, it's impossible. But with God, we can do better than we did the day before and each and every other day successively until we just get that much better. So with God here, Samuel is talking to them and he's letting them know, look, I'm going to ask God to do the impossible to show you what's up, just like God is doing right now. In the midst of a pandemic, this world, which has probably never shut down in the modern age, was shut down. Something inconceivable. But in the midst of it, God was showing something very clearly. Look, I'm, I'm, I'm tired of this. I'm tired of, of all the, the ribble rabble that's going on. And I want you to focus and realize what's actually important. Just like Mary did when Martha was so ecstatic with Jesus about why she wouldn't help him. And the important thing is Jesus himself. It's to realize that the job, which can be an idol, it's useless. It won't help or save. That person that you're infatuated with can't help or save you. Family, friends, money, oof, money, which the, the, the love of it is the root of all evil. It can't do anything for you. And so what happens when you remove all these different components to the equation? You're singled out and you feel alone. You feel solid in solitude. But then Jesus comes and he removes the fake glasses from your face. And he, he shows you what's really up. 
And then he shows you the important thing and he tells you something that the enemy can't do. And that's that he can guide you through the wilderness because this world is not our home. We are sojourners. We are just passing through. But on the way, we don't know where we're going. So we need a guide. And God wants to be your guide, meaning that you will never be alone in your journey. You'll never be alone in the wilderness. So what we learn on the journey when we make mistakes, when we mess up, when we may go to a wrong corridor, when we start to to teeter off the path a little bit, it's not that God wants to condemn us once we're saved. It's that he wants us to escape condemnation. And I'm going to skip ahead for a minute. But in Romans 8 verse 1, the Bible says that there is now therefore no condemnation to those who are in Christ Jesus who aren't looking to please this because this gets you in trouble, but who are looking to please the spirit, meaning Jesus, who are chasing after God fervently with a contrite and humble heart. When you're chasing God, you're not worried about what's going on because you're filled. As the Bible says that the, the word, the Bible that we have, the spirit of truth, God personified in written form so we have a better understanding. It's that it's used to equip us for every single good work, that we will be filled and perfect, lacking nothing, meaning that we don't feel alone because we're not alone. As we read earlier in Psalm, God places those in solitary and families. Well, you were alone in the world, but now you're a part of a big family with a number that can't be counted. You're not alone. And at the head of the family is a father who loves you so much that he sent your big brother to die just for you so that you wouldn't have to suffer the consequences of your choices. So now when you choose Jesus's way. Well, I think that proves point two: God will stand with you forever because you're his not by adoption but by redeemation because he took the old he took the form that said you belong to satan he paid the debt wrote his name on the new form and when he took you from from the wilderness when he took you from that broken down orphanage that has leaky pipes and smells terrible not only did he give you a place to live not only did he teach you does he teach you? Not only does he feed and, and clothe and do everything that a good parent should do for a child, but he rewrote your DNA because he gave you a heart transplant. And we all know that when we have transplants, that the doctors put you on a medicine so that the organs will never fail you. Well, when God gives you the heart transplant, he gives you the Holy Spirit to make sure that you're never failed because he's what? He is a watcher, a keeper, and a performer of his word to make sure that it will not fall void, that it will not hit the ground or fall upon deaf ears. So when you call on Jesus, you're good to go. Point three, God is listening always. I mean that. You may have decided that life has gotten tough, and you may have not decided it, but life has gotten real tough. So you haven't prayed for a while because you're stressing out or maybe you're praying out of stress. Maybe things are going well and you're praying. Maybe things are terrible and life is like a nuclear holocaust and you're praying because you don't know what to do. 
Well, regardless of what the situation is, let me tell you that he is listening. You may not get an answer right when you want it. You may not get an answer how you want it. But I promise you, God has heard you. He's already worked on it. And he's going to give you exactly what you need. Not what you want, but what you need right when you need it most. Because that's how good God is. He's a right on time God. So now we take a look at Jonah chapter 2. In Philippians 4, verses 6 through 7, and I'll put that on screen. So the Bible says, Then Jonah prayed unto the Lord, his God, out of the fish's belly, and said, I called out of my trouble and distress to the Lord, and he answered me. Out of the belly of Sheol, I cried for help, and you heard my voice. You threw me into the ocean depths, and I sank down to the heart of the sea. The mighty waters engulfed me. I was buried beneath your wild and stormy waves. Then I said, I have been cast out of your sight. Nevertheless, I will look again toward your holy temple. The water surrounded me to the point of death. The great deep engulfed me. Seaweed was wrapped around my head. I descended to the very roots of the mountains. The earth with its bars closed behind me bolting me in forever yet you have brought up my life from the pit or death O lord my god as my life was slipping away i remembered the lord and my earnest prayer went out to you in your holy temple those who worship false gods turn their backs on all god's mercies but i will offer sacrifices to you with songs of praise and i will fulfill all my vows for my salvation comes from the lord alone so the lord commanded the fish and it vomited jonah up onto the dry land and in philippians 4 says do not be anxious or worried about anything but in everything, every circumstance and situation, by prayer and petition with thanksgiving, continue to make your specific request known to God. And the peace of God, which surpasses all understanding, will guard your hearts and minds through Christ Jesus. Now, here's something really wonderful right here. If you don't know the story of Jonah, we start off in Jonah chapter one. And God tells him, hey, I need you to go to Nineveh and tell them about my goodness so that they will turn their backs on all the debauchery that they're doing. And Jonah is like, no, I don't want to do that. They're terrible people. If I tell them how good you are, then they'll actually get saved. Now, from a modern perspective, let's be honest and, and let's level with one another. There have been people in our lives that we probably didn't want to share the good word with because we really felt like that. Not because we want to hide God from people, but because as human beings, we hold grudges and it's ugly and disgusting. But hey, so are we. Let's be honest with ourselves. But God in his beautiful splendor will always get the job done. So toward the end of Jonah 1, he's ran away. He's on a boat. There are storms and, and craziness going on on the sea. And he's like, look, y'all just throw me over and I promise you it'll stop. But they they try their hardest to get to shore and eventually throw them over. And just like he said, it stopped. So we get to two after a whale has come and swallowed Jonah. And in the midst of his storm, he cries out to God 
And what does he say? He says that in my trouble and distress, I cried out to the Lord and he answered me out of the belly of Sheol, right out of the belly of hell. In the midst of all the turmoil, God heard his voice. And what happens as we look further down in there? We know that a lot of things happen in life to grow us. And on the adjacent side, we put ourselves in things. Either way, God is listening when he has allowed some things to happen so that you can be elevated. God is listening when you've got yourself caught up because he is still your father. And just like a good parent, regardless of what mess you've gotten yourself into, they are doing something to help you. So God is listening and God is looking to get you out so that he can put you back on the right side so that you can be elevated. Stay with me here. So we look down and he's saying that in the midst of all of this, in the midst of the chaos, in the midst of of my wrong, I looked out to you that even though it feels like I've been separated from you, nevertheless, like Jesus prayed, nevertheless, I'm looking toward you. I, I've learned I'm, I, I've learned the error of my ways. I need to get your will done. So what happens? And here's the best part. This is why we we love the word uses, the, the diction so much. It says that the Lord commanded the fish or the Lord commands your storm. He commands your issue. He commands your situation to let you go. And so it vomited Jonah up. The word vomit is very important here because vomit means is to expunge very rapidly. It can't help but get it out of the system. So when God commands the storm, when God commands the situation, it has to get you out of there ASAP. Meaning that even though you feel like you're alone in the stress and the pain and the sorrow and the depression and whatever, you're never alone. God is always listening. He stands forever with you. He is going to give you the glory in the middle of it because of your faith. He's going to grant you the victory. All you have to do is keep your eyes stayed on Jesus. If you've been to a church, you've heard a pastor say it. But let me assure you, when you keep your your eyes, not these eyes, but your heart, when you keep that stayed on Jesus, even in the midst of a, a self-imposed storm or one that God has allowed to occur so that you can grow, he is going to command it to end. Why? Because all of our situations that we go through, they have an end date on them. They expire at some point, not to take you out, but so that you can be further refined to be a more purified gold so that your faith can be genuine and true. And then that leads us to our fourth point, inseparable love. I love this one so much. Why? We've talked about it before. We've discussed it. But for this particular situation, we know that the world's love is fickle. It has requirements to it. It wants you to, to meet the criteria. And if you don't, it removes it. That doesn't sound like love to me, at least not the love I've come to know, real love. But criteria love or circumstantial love, it's really what it's the only thing most people know because that's all they've seen. And there are glasses that are painting this illusion, this facade that life is swell. But when God takes them off and shows you that the enemy is nothing more than a scoundrel trying to drag you down with his vile tactics, well, then you crave more. 
nothing this world can give you, but only what God can give you. And so we enter into his inseparable love. And in Romans 8, 31 through 39, we see his inseparable love at work. And I'll put that on screen. So the Bible says, what shall we say about such wonderful things as these? If God is for us, who can ever be against us? Since he did not spare even his own son, but gave him up for us all, won't he also give us everything else? Who dares accuse us whom God has chosen for his own? No one, for God himself has given us right standing with himself. Who then will condemn us? No one, for Christ Jesus died for us and was raised to life for us, and he is sitting in the place of honor at God's right hand, pleading for us. Can anything ever separate us from Christ's love? Does it mean he no longer loves us if we have trouble or calamity or are persecuted or hungry or destitute or in danger or threatened with death? As the scriptures say, for your sake, we are killed every day. We are being slaughtered like sheep. No, despite all these things, overwhelming victory is ours through Christ who loved us. And I am convinced that nothing can ever separate us from God's love, neither death nor life, neither angels nor demons, neither our fears for today nor our worries about tomorrow. Not even the powers of hell can separate us from God's love. No power in the sky above or in the earth below. Indeed, nothing in all creation will ever be able to separate us from the love of God that is revealed in Christ Jesus, our Lord. So first things first, you can't even understand what true love is until God reveals it to you. And that's only revealed when you understand who Jesus is. Jesus is not only God incarnate. Jesus is not only the savior. He's not only the way he's not only the one that we should be following, but he is the greatest example of what real love is. And he himself said it, that there is no greater love than a man who lays his life down for a friend. And God calls us friends now. Not that we're still enemies, not that we're still slaves and bondage to sin, but friends, because we have allowed him to set the shackles free. And let me let me say that again. We have allowed him to set the shackles free, meaning that in this life, and it may be hard to hear, but the truth hurts sometimes. It's that in 100 percent of the cases, we are the ones keeping ourselves in poverty. Jesus has been offered. And at some point in your life, if you've never heard it before, he will be offered. The Bible says that everyone is afforded the opportunity to hear the good news. And I thank him for that, which means that it is fair game. But because God is a good, merciful God, he is also a God of choice. He does not force you to choose him. But that's on you. If you want to keep bringing around the yoke of iniquity, if you want to keep dragging that carriage with your mouth, and a carriage is really big with all your burdens, your past transgressions, the pain, the sorrow, the depression. Let me tell you, as someone who used to do that, don't just just don't. It's not fun. It hurts. You never get better. You can trick yourself and think that you're improving, but you never do. You just digress further and further into the rabbit hole. 
and it's pretty bottomless so no please don't i'm 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 asking nicely but with god he he removes the yoke from your neck he takes the shackles off he gets you out of prison and not only that but the first thing he does after he gets you out is he gives you new clothes and he feeds you then he shows you how to feed other people he shows you how to 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 bring in the people the crowd the masses how to be a fisher of men not that so you could be like the other people out there and get them more trapped up in the trickings of this world with the the beautified and bedazzled mess that is presented but no you set them free not that you have the power but that god through you the one that's greater than the one that's in this world he's the one that does it so that we can see the inseparable love and as paul starts off then what shall we say about these wonderful things well let me give you an example as we discussed earlier in verse one there's no condemnation whatsoever to anyone who's in jesus that doesn't try to please this thing here but that's only trying to please him in verse 12 there's no more obligation to sin no more why because as we saw in in, i believe chapter six when we didn't know the right thing to do we had no obligation to do right but now that we know the right thing and we've been set free from the power of sin that makes us do wrong we now have a choice we're now no longer obligated to do it when it happens it's not that we do it but it's like in chapter seven When I want to do right, sometimes I can't because there is a battle going on inside of me. But I thank God that the answer is Jesus, the only one who can deliver me from this issue and the issue being humanity itself. And in verse 18, what we go through right now or the things that we suffer with, it has nothing. It has no comparison to the glory that's going to come because Jesus is going to really bless our socks off by showing us just how amazing he is in the fullness of time. And then in verse 26, that not only does the Holy Spirit help us, not only is he our comforter and our advocate and our teacher, but he also prays for us in, in groanings that no one can understand but God. So that even when we don't know what to pray for, even when we don't know how to pray, he's doing it for us on our behalf. And not to mention our great high priest, Jesus himself, who is continuously praying for us both day and night. So you see the inseparable love that God has for us. It's truly amazing and breathtaking. And that leads us to our final point. You're never alone. I mean that. Spiritually before Christ, you are dead. Let's be honest, I'm not going to sugarcoat it for you. You're dead and alone and you're just biding time waiting to be thrown into the fire. But when you get God, you go from being a withered tree branch to being a luscious vine connected to the root itself. And now that you're a part of the vine himself, who is Jesus, and you have a gardener or God the Father, who tends to you, who prunes you, not to hurt you, but to grow you so that you can produce more. And then you have the Holy Spirit, who is both the water and the nutrients that you need. Well, that's one. Two, as we saw in Psalms, you have a family now, not fake friends that only come around when you got stuff. 
not fake love that requires you to meet the criteria, but you have a real family that regardless of what's going on, you can call on them. You can talk to them. You can spend time with them because we're all connected by the same thing. God's inseparable love, that agape, his perfect love. So we take a look at Matthew chapter 27, verses 37 through 46 and Revelation 320. And I will put that on screen. So the Bible says a sign was fastened above Jesus's head announcing the charge against him. It read, this is Jesus, the king of the Jews. At the same time, two robbers were crucified with Jesus, one on the right and one on the left. The people passing by shouted abuse, shaking their heads in mockery. Look at you now, they yelled at him. You said you would you were going to destroy the temple and rebuild it in three days. Well, then, if you are the son of God, save yourself and come down from the cross. The leading priest, the teachers of religious law, and the elders also mocked Jesus. He saved others, they scoffed, but he can't save himself. So he is the king of Israel, is he? Let him come down from the cross right now, and we will believe in him. He trusted God, so let God rescue him now, if he wants him. For he said, I am the son of God. The robbers who had been crucified with him also began to insult him in the same way. Now from the sixth hour or noon, there was darkness all over the land until the ninth hour or 3 p.m. About the ninth hour, Jesus cried out with a loud, agonized voice, Eli, Eli, lama sabachthani, that is, my God, my God, why have you forsaken me? And in Revelation 3, Jesus himself says, Behold, I stand at the door and knock. If anyone hears my voice and opens the door, I will come in and eat with him or restore them and he with me. So we end here on a very peculiar note for a purpose, because everything God does is for a purpose. We're looking at the crucifixion. And if you want to translate it to us, we're looking at a time in our lives, and that could be at any point in time because it'll probably happen on multiple instances, where we're at our lowest, we're at our worst. We don't know what to do because there is no way out, neither to the left, the right, the front, the back, up or down. There is no hope. And in that hopelessness, we look out, we feel abandoned, we feel alone because no one can do anything for us and we cry out. My God, my God, why have you forsaken me? But the study of the Bible, of the different gospels, shows us here especially that in Matthew that Jesus was the the, the promise for the Jews and that he's also flexing the humanity, showing us that even though he was 100% God, he was still just like you and me. And because of the feelings that he must have felt on that cross, he felt alone. Because why would my father who loves me so much let me go through this? But then we take a look at the divinity as we go further past the crucifixion. And that we even look back in the garden. Nevertheless, Lord, not my will, but as you will. It's that everything God allows that he permits to go on in your life. It's to grow you. That Jesus's purpose was to come and die so that when the seed would fall into the earth, and it would die, that new life would grow from the nutrients that it was given to the earth. 
So when Jesus hung his head a little bit later in the scripture and gave up the ghost, he made sure that both you, me, and every single other person who has lived, who will live, and is already here, will have a chance to get to know the one true God for themselves. And in doing so, you're never alone because God is looking for you specifically. He has left the 99 to come get you if you don't already belong to the sheepfold. And then we look at Revelation 3 where Jesus says, look, I'm knocking at the door, meaning I'm always here. I'm always trying to get to you. But as we know in scripture, there is a window on your opportunity to get to know God properly. So why wait if he's knocking open up? And he even says that if anyone who hears me lets me come in, then not only will I come in, and as the King James says, I will come into him, meaning I will reside in your heart where you're lacking the most. Not this body that may be hungry, but your heart, your spirit, which is fractured and needs fixing. He says that I will restore it and then we will eat together. Or as the NLT says that we will share a meal as friends. So brothers and sisters, as I reiterate the points to you, remember that we have glory and faith in God. That if we just continue to trust in him, then we will always get the victory. It may look delayed to you because you want it right then and now because we love instant gratification. But God is a right on time God and he gives you exactly what you need right when you need it. And then we know that he stands forever, meaning that he will always be with us regardless of what's going on. So stop worrying. Just like the disciples were worried, even though Jesus was right there in the boat. Don't get messed up when the storm looks like it's going to get the better of you because God is right there in the epicenter with you because he's the epicenter. He is the reason why you can get through the storm, not go around it, but get through it so that you can tell someone else how you got through it, that he's always listening to you. The reason why you got through the storm is because he heard your plea when he said, when you said, Father, I need strength. Father, I'm thirsty. Father, I'm hungry. I need God. I need you. Well, guess what? He never turned a deaf ear to you. He may have not gotten back to you when you wanted him to, but I promise you he heard you and he's going to get to you right when you need it most. And when you want stuff, God is good. He'll give you things when you ask because he is a good father. He gives wonderful gifts, not just meet your needs. And then we have inseparable love. God will never take your love away, his love away from you. You sinned after salvation. Okay, ask for forgiveness, learn from it, and don't keep making the same mistakes by putting yourself in insane situations to where you can only mess up. Remove yourself from the equation and watch God's love work in your life. You made a mistake. Okay, we're not perfect, and God knows that he will never take his love from you. Once you have it, you're good to go, I promise you. It's in the Bible. You can take it for yourself. He never says that he'll take it away. And then lastly, you're never alone. God is right there 24 hours a day, seven days a week, 365, 366 on leap years, 52 weeks. He is there every hour, every second, every minute of the day. He was there before you were even a thought. He'll be here after you're not a thought anymore. Because once you leave, if you have him, you'll be in his presence with him always. So listen to me. This as I scroll up, this insulary solitude that you're being painted to have, it ain't true. 
God loves you and he wants you to know that, yes, this is the wilderness. But just like with the children of Israel, I will lead you through. I will make sure that you have square meals a day that the soles of your shoes will never fade out so that you can keep walking and that whenever you have a need or desire, guess who's going to be there to give it to you? Me. When family abandons you, when friends leave, when the job is gone, when the money's low, guess who's there to provide for you? Me. Why? Because you're never alone. It's all an illusion. You're not in solitude, but you're wrapped in the loving arms of the Lord himself. So, Heavenly Father, we come before you in prayer saying, thank you, Lord. We thank you for the truth of the matter. And the truth is, is that we always have you. And God, we can't thank you enough for that. Before we got saved, Lord, before we got to know you personally, Jesus, we were alone. We were messed up and we were lacking so much. But after we got to know you and for those who are going to get to know you, God, they get filled and they are continuously filled. They are given purpose. They are given their requirements. They are given their wants and desires, Lord, that if we would just chase you wholeheartedly and seek you first, well, then you not only give us you, God, but you would give us everything else and then some just as an added bonus. So, Father, we thank you for all that you've done, that you're doing and that you're going to do in our lives simply for us having faith in you, Christ Jesus. It's the faith in you, Lord, that reassures all the, the pain, the trouble, the issues, the depression, the anger, the angst, the anxiety, no matter what it is, God. You are the reason we can get through it, not around it, but through it, because when we go through we can help somebody else get through too. So Lord, we just want to say that we love you. We love you so much because we'll never be alone ever again. Not a day in this life and surely not a day in the next. So Father, we just want to say again how grateful we are and how much we love you. And we pray that for those who don't know you like we do, that they'll get to share the same experience. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen and amen. Hey family. I pray the lesson has blessed you in some way, shape, form, or fashion today. Each week, we hold Bible study on Zoom, and it would be wonderful to share this experience with you. If something was said that resonated with you and you aren't a part of the family, I would like to open the invitation to join. I pray that the Lord blesses you in all of your endeavors and that you chase after the prize, which is Jesus. See you next week, God willing and be blessed.